Well, good morning. Kind of a different day, huh? There's snow, and it's awesome. Just looked up at the mountains, and it is beautiful. It's a rare treat here in Albuquerque to see this kind of snow, and so I'm glad all of you were able to make it here this morning safely. Uh, we know that some weren't able to. Some people that really didn't need to be out on the roads driving chose not to be here this morning, and we need to honor that choice because it was a good choice. But we assume that all the roads are going to be dry this evening, which is very important because this evening is something very important to the life of this congregation. It is our annual Christmas party. So at 4.30, we will meet in here for a short devotional together, and then after that, we'll make our way over to the gym. We'll have a potluck meal together, and then that will be followed by rousing, fun, incredible entertainment provided by the members of this congregation. And since we are having a potluck meal, it's important that we have some pots. Um, So I would like to encourage you to prepare a lot of food and bring it so that we have enough to share with everyone who's here, plus people who will be bringing friends and neighbors and family to be with us tonight. So please plan on doing that. Um, You can bring your food by the gym before the devotional at 4.30, and then our special events people will get all of that ready for us so that we can go over and enjoy that good meal together. Also, just want to mention that today is December the 13th, which means that this is Kathy's wedding anniversary. It also happens to be mine. 35 years ago in Abilene, Texas. A beautiful, smart, sweet young lady married me. And we're still trying to figure out why, but I'm glad that she chose to do that. We just spent the past week in beautiful San Diego, California, celebrating our anniversary. And let me tell you, there are things in San Diego that are so beautiful that we just can't imagine here in Albuquerque what that's like. But I also have to tell you that snow on the mountain is so beautiful that people in San Diego can't imagine what that's like either. So this is a beautiful creation that God has given us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the snow. We thank you for the beauty of the creation. We thank you for the moisture that it brings. And Father, we see you at work and we praise you for that. Father, I just pray that today will be a day that your name will be honored, that glory will be brought to you by what we do. Father, we look forward to this evening when we'll be able to be together and be able to celebrate together and laugh together and enjoy that time as a family together. Father, help us to be a true family, bind us together, give us unity. And Father, help us to serve together in the way that you would have us serve. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So amazingly enough, we are in the final month of 2015. And we're going to end this year where we started this year. We're going to end by focusing on our theme here at Netherwood Park. And that theme is, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And last week, as we were refocusing on our theme, we talked about choices. Specifically, we talked about the daily choice that disciples of Jesus Christ must make in order to be faithful servants of Jesus Christ. And we emphasized that choosing to follow Jesus isn't one of those routine and ordinary and insignificant choices that fill up most of our days. Instead, that choice is the most significant. It's the most impactful decision that we will ever make. It's a decision that declares that we are choosing to be self-denying, cross-carrying followers of Jesus Christ. 
we are declaring that we have made the decision that that is going to be our identity. We're declaring that this is who we choose to be. We're declaring that this is how we choose to live. And we choose to live as self-denying, cross-carrying followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that that decision isn't a decision that's made in a vacuum. It's not a decision that comes out of nothing. Instead, it's a very responsive decision. See, the decision to be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower of Jesus Christ is made in response to some decisions that were made before we were ever even on this earth. It's made in decision to, that our Father, in response to the decision that our Father God made, who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the decision to be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower of Jesus is also made in response to the decision that Jesus made. Jesus, the Son, made. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The decision to be a servant isn't made in a vacuum. It's a decision that's made in response to decisions made to act on our behalf. The decision to send Jesus. Jesus' decision to humble himself, to deny himself, to carry his cross to follow his Father's will. So when we choose this day and when we choose every day whom we will serve, we are choosing who we're going to be. And we're choosing who we're going to be in light of what has been done for us, in light of what God has done for us. We're making the decision, are we going to choose to serve the God who sent his self-denying, cross-carrying son to rescue us? Or are we going to choose to serve those gods who enslave us? It's the same choice that faced the Israelites that day when the old warrior Joshua stood before the leaders of Israel and he called on them to make a decision. So what I want to do right now is I want to go back to that scene. That scene when Joshua is standing up in front of all the leaders of Israel, when he brings them to this decision point. I want to turn back to Joshua chapter 24. And let's see what we can learn as Joshua brings the people to making the choice to serve God. Joshua 24 and verse 1. Starts out by saying, Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Let's pause there for just a moment. Let's see what's really going on in this scene. See, Joshua has brought together all of these leaders. He's brought together all the peoples of influence from all the different tribes, and he's brought them together to make a group choice. He's brought them together to make a corporate decision. And Joshua's doing this because serving the Lord was never meant to be a solitary pursuit. See, we were never meant to try and be self-denying, cross-carrying 
followers of Jesus Christ all on our own. It was never the decision. It was always intended to be a common pursuit, a tribal pursuit, if you will. It's a family pursuit. See, the cross is too heavy to try and carry on our own. That's why God has given us each other. We can't do it on our own, but we can do it together. Serving the Lord was never meant to be a solitary pursuit. Let's continue on and look at what happens, continuing with verse 2. Joshua stands up and he says to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river, and I led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. And when I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. So you saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan, and they fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. And when Balak, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as also did the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gigashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow, So I gave you the land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them. And you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Do you hear what Joshua is doing here? He's helping the people remember what God has done for them. He's rehearsing the great story of how God has acted again and again and again on their behalf. See, he's about to ask them to make a choice about who they're going to serve. And he knows that that decision isn't made in a vacuum. And he makes certain that they make their decision within context. And within a very particular context. The context of just who this is that they are being called, who they're being called to serve. See, Joshua helps them remember. And he does that by rehearsing the story of how God brought them to this promised land. Brought them to this promised land by his power. See, Joshua understands that remembering and rehearsing God's mighty acts on behalf of his people is crucial It's crucial for faithful service. 
we need to understand that we need to be frequently reminded of who it is that we are being called to serve. Who is this God we are being called to serve? And to remember that we need to frequently rehearse what our master has done for us. That's why it's so important that we gather with our people, with our family, with our tribe every week and remember and rehearse God's mighty acts on our behalf. See, that's really what communion is all about. We come together, we gather around this table, and we do that to remember and to rehearse what God has done for us. When we eat that bread, we're remembering that body that was sacrificed on the cross for us. When we drink that wine, we remember the blood that was shed on the cross and shed for us. We do all of that to remind us of what God has done for us, his mighty acts on our behalf. And as we eat that bread and as we drink that wine every week, we should all be asking ourselves, we should be asking ourselves this question, who are we going to choose to be in light of what God has done for us? See, remembering and rehearsing what God has done for us brings us into faithful service of him. Why do we serve him? Because of what he has done for us. And we can't allow ourselves to ever forget. We can't allow our people, we can't allow our family, we can't allow our tribe to ever forget what it is our God has done for us. We can't allow that to happen because the consequences of forgetting what God has done for us are disastrous. They're disastrous. And that's exactly what Joshua feared as he stood before his people. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened to Joshua's people. Listen as we continue on as Joshua stands before the people. Listen for the fear that's in Joshua's voice as he speaks to the people. In verse 15, he says, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed these great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And listen to what Joshua says. He says, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. 
Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey him. It's a fascinating back and forth between Joshua and his people. Joshua says, choose. And the people say, we do choose. We choose the Lord. We choose the Lord because of what he has done for us. And then Joshua says, you can't do it. He says, you can't serve the Lord. You aren't capable of serving the holy and jealous God. Joshua says, you aren't capable of staying away from those foreign gods. And when you do turn to them, God's going to bring disaster on your tribe. The people say, no, no, you're wrong. We won't forget. We won't turn. We will be faithful. We will yield our hearts. We will serve the Lord. And the people meant it. And the people did it. They yielded their hearts. They served their God. They yielded their hearts and they served their God until they forgot their God. Until they forgot what God had done for them. Until they forgot who they were because of what God had done for them. And what happened to Joshua's people after he died is a tragic and heartbreaking story. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 6 we read this. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. And the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. And after that, a whole generation had been, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They, forsake, they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. Because they forsook him and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. And in his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. And whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. And they were in great distress. See, the tragedy in the story is that they forgot the Lord. They not only forgot the Lord, they forgot what the Lord had done for them. And because they forgot the Lord and forgot what he had done for them, they forgot who they were. And the consequences were disastrous. And my brothers and sisters, that's why we have been focusing on, that's why we will continue to focus on being a house that chooses to serve the Lord. We will continue to focus on that so that it will never be said about us that we neither know the Lord nor remember what he has done for us. 
We need to frequently be looking at ourselves so that we can know, so that we can tell that we truly are a house, that we truly are a tribe, that we truly are people who do serve the Lord. And the way that we can tell that we as a house and as a tribe continue to remember the Lord and continue to remember what he has done for us is by looking at ourselves and seeing what kind of house we really are. You see, houses that remember the Lord, houses that serve the Lord, houses that remember what the Lord has done for them look different. They act differently than the houses that serve other gods. That's why scriptures like Hebrews chapter 12 that we read earlier. That's why scriptures like 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's why scriptures like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 are so important to us. They're so important to us because they show us what a house that remembers the Lord and what he has done for us looks like. And what it looks like is it looks like a body. It looks like a body that serves. It looks like the body of a servant. Let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll start in verse 5. Paul writes, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In verse 12, he says, The body is a unit. It is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In verse 18, he goes on and says, And God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? Verse 24, he goes on and says, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes this, starting in verse 11. He says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. He says, live in peace with each other. He says, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. He says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. He goes on and says, be joyful always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see that picture that Paul's painting of what it looks like To be a full house of servants. A house full of servants. 
Servants with all kinds of different gifts and abilities. Servants with all kinds of different gifts and abilities given by the Lord to serve the Lord and serve him in all kinds of different ways. All kinds of different ways that our God through his power has combined into one unit, one family, one body, one tribe. And it's all for his glory. See, the picture of a house that's full of servants, full of servants of Jesus Christ, is a house that's built by God to be an each other house. An each other house. Listen to how we can be an each other house. Where each of us, as a part of this house of servants, recognizes that we don't belong to ourselves, but we belong to each other where each of us as a part of this house of servants is concerned for each other. Where each of us as a part of this house of servants is devoted to each other. Where each of us as a part of the house of servants at this place honors each other. And where each of us as a part of this house lives in harmony and in peace with each other. It's a place where each of us, each of us who is a part of this house will warn each other. Warn each other when we are being idle. But we'll also encourage each other when we are being timid. We'll also help each other when we are weak. We'll also be patient with each other and kind to each other always. And it's a house where we find and express joy together. Find and express joy together in our God and in what he has done for us. It's a house where we pray with each other. We pray with each other to the God we know, to the God who we remember. And it's a house where we are continually thankful, not only for each other, but with each other. See, we're thankful for each other because we see God working within each one of us. But we are thankful with each other as we remember and rehearse God's mighty acts on behalf of the people of his house. That's the house that we are called to be. And as we look at the end of this year, I want us to make sure that we are always that kind of house. A house full of servants. A house who always remembers the Lord and always remembers what he has done for us. Let's make sure that that's the house we choose to be as we serve our God together. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer is that you make us an each other house, always focused on each other. Father, help us to belong to each other. Help us to be concerned for each other. Help us to be devoted to each other. Help us to honor each other. Father, help us to live in peace and harmony with each other. Father, help us to be bold to warn each other when we are being idle. But Father, help us to be compassionate to encourage and help each other in all kindness. 
Father, help us to be a house that lives in perpetual joy as we see what you have done for us out of your great love. Father, help us to be known for our prayer and our thanksgiving as we thank you for loving us and sending your only son to humble himself and obediently die on the cross so that we will not perish but have eternal life. Father, help us to be a house that together serves you and only you. And Father, we pray this prayer through Jesus who is the Christ. Amen. Many times throughout this year, we have we've been able to stand up and we've been able to confirm that we are a house that chooses to serve the Lord. And I want us to do that again today. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. Um, you can do like Tony had you do, since you were so comfortable holding hands across the aisle. You may do that now. You don't have to, but if you're comfortable with that. I'm going to ask this house to make a choice as to whom we will serve And we'll be repeating what we've said all year long, but with a little bit different twist to it. When I say Netherwood Park, choose this day whom you will serve, I like for all of us to echo back as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord together. So let's do that now, and then we will sing a song together. Netherwood Park, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord together. Amen. Let's sing together. Savior, like a shepherd. 